Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the big show. This is As Lutheran As It Gets, episode 61. And this week we are again in the penitential psalms, Psalm 143, commentary by one Dr. Martin Luther, a personal friend of the show. I think we can say that now. No? A traveling companion, if you will. A confidant. (laughs) Every psalm, all scripture, calls to grace, extols grace, searches for Christ, and praises only God's work while rejecting all the works of man. Therefore, this psalm can be readily understood in the light of the foregoing, for it speaks the same language. Here one should keep in mind that this psalm has been and is spoken in the name of the whole people of Christ and of each person individually. The daily enemies of this people are the worldly wise and the self-righteous, who do not know and refuse to know anything about the grace of God. They even imagine that no one regards God's grace more highly than they, misled as they are into the error of their blind holiness and their good intentions. And again, that is Dr. Luther's introduction to Psalm 143 in Luther's works, volume 14, Collected Psalms. Hmm. Interestingly, he does this at the last penitential psalm he comments on rather than Psalm 6. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the whole, here's what the point of all these psalms are. Right, which we covered this in the last episode, Psalm 6, that is. Psalm 6 is a, a heavy, heavy psalm. Yeah. It, it may have been beneficial to put this at the front end. Right. And, uh, you know, there are some confusions that people have uh, with the psalms, really with all the scriptures, especially in terms of the language of, like, uh, of warfare, right, and enemies, mm-hmm. and thinking of those you know, really an earthly sense, you know, we versus them. Um, yeah, that the tribalism. The, the tribalism, yeah, yeah, or attaching like God's providence or God's favor upon a particular nation now. Right. Uh, rather than, as he says here, the psalm, uh, confessing Christ, right? Searching for Christ, praising only his work and denying the works <clears> of men. And that ultimately is the great failing, the demonic failing of any civil religion, mm. whether it's the United States or any country for that matter in all of history, even Israel, especially Israel. We see this throughout the scriptures. When Israel comes to that point of unrepentance, unbelief that, well, no matter what we do, we'll be blessed because we are God's chosen people. Oh, yeah. It's not long before that descends into idolatry and false worship and then not loving your neighbor and selling your neighbor into slavery to repay a debt and on and on it goes, eating your babies, actually, in in Lamentations. Yeah. And you see this in Christ's own ministry. I mean, the, the, I guess the enemy um, are the self-righteous and especially the religious righteous. Correct. Right? Right. Uh, And it's not that they're, that Jesus doesn't come to um, seek and save them any right. more than he comes to seek and save, you know, the, the pagan, mm-hmm. uh, but <laughs> they're still, uh, they're still opposed to him at right. every turn, uh, not, not physically, but doctrinally, right? And perhaps that's the most satanic lie that is mm. sold to us is that we don't recognize that it's, the, the God's word attacks the religious, mm-hmm. not the atheist. Right. The gospel attacks the atheist. the atheist. The atheist lives under the law already. He carries the weight of the law around him everywhere, the agnostic, the, the unbeliever. So the law is manifest in his life 
in, in every, at, at every turn. So when you preach the gospel, then when you preach the forgiveness of sins, when you explain what grace is, explain what exactly we do in church on Sunday morning, why we do what we do, there's an opening there for apologetics. There's an opening there for preaching because there's no gospel there. Right. And yeah. there's no direct relationship with God there. There's a rejection, a negative, a negation of God there. At least not with the true God. I mean, there's plenty of, of false right. worship um, right. with, within the world. We've talked about this in other contexts, whether it be, you know, diet, exercise, mm -hmm. jujitsu, whatever it is that yep. you worship. Um, hint, hint. Uh, <laughs> How dare you? Ah, but uh, you know, there's everybody's religious. I, that's a that's a point. right, right. It, but specifically, we're talking about um, the religious who claim to worship the true God, mm -hmm. right? And and, and to the, your point, then yeah. what we end up doing is saying, well, we the religious are on team winner, <laughs> team Jesus, and yeah. the irreligious are on team not Jesus. Right. But then you'll notice how quickly we turn inward and cannibalize each other. Then, in the name of Jesus, yeah, failing to see that the enemy is us. Correct. Right. Mm -hmm. No matter where you go, there you are. <laughs> you, you drag your <laughs> sinful flesh with you everywhere. Well, so, and thankfully, um, you know, God's there too. Thankfully, exactly. And mm -hmm. that's then, to as you noted, this is what Dr. Luther drives at, is that these Psalms are not about God and Israel or God and any country or God bless you and God bless the United States of America. Every one of these Psalms calls to grace, extols grace, and searches for Christ and praises only God's work while rejecting all the works of man. Mm -hmm. It's very Christ-focused. It's very focused on the promise. As soon as it becomes focused on God as an abstract deity and our work to satisfy right. that deity, you get God bless you and God bless, insert name of country, tribe, or organization or institution here. Right. And you see this play out, especially with, well, I heard this this morning uh, in chapel on the way out, you know, that, that to be a Christian was to be courteous and courageous. Right. Uh, there were like four <clears throat> Cs. And it, and it was, you know, what we'd call virtue or noble living, mm -hmm. um, but abstracted from Jesus, who Correct. is the, well, he's not all that courteous all the time, but regardless, <laughs> you know, he's the one, you know, when we talk about obedience, it's the obedience of Christ that is... right. Uh, is ours is our righteousness, not not our own. What we say, well, like Luther says here, self righteousness or right. self doing. Our it's not about you; it's about Christ. Well, I think that's such an important point to emphasize. At least in my opinion, it's important is that Jesus is good, but he's mm. not nice. <laughs> God is good, but he doesn't actually care about your feelings. No, or he wouldn't test you, but he does right. test you, right? He tested right. them in the wilderness. He tested on the mountain, as right. we heard last week. Uh, why would he? He's not tempting, but he's right. testing them. Well, that's not that's not good. I mean, no. it is good actually. If but... <laughs> you pray to God for safe spaces, He'll put a cross on you. <laughs> yeah. That's God's safe space. Is Calvary? That's the safe space. Yeah, where you're actually completely vulnerable. <laughs> Correct. Exactly. Mm. So, verse one. Then, hear my prayer, O Lord. Doctor Luther comments: the life of a saint is more a taking from God than a giving more a desiring than a having, more a becoming pious than a being pious. Thus, St. Augustine says that faith obtains what the law demands. Mm -hmm. Romans 3.31, I believe. Mm -hmm. Hence, imploring, desiring, searching is the true essence of the inner man. As in Psalm 34, verse 10, quote, those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. 
And in Psalm 105, verse 4, seek his presence continually. Again in Psalm 14, verse 3, says of the proud saints, there is none that seeks after God. They have already found him. Hmm. The life of a saint is more a taking from God than a giving, more a desiring than a having, more a becoming pious than a being pious. We talked about this in a previous Psalm too. Hmm. I think it was Psalm 51 or maybe it was Psalm 38, but it was that 32. God is, uh, yeah, 32, thank you. And yeah, I think it was Psalm 32 that God takes nothing from us and gives us everything and mm-hmm. we give nothing to God and take everything. And maybe that's at the root, not only of our conflict with Jesus as our savior, that is, you know, the old Adam sinner's conflict with Jesus as savior, that we're passive, totally passive and he's active, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but also our conflict then with the religious, not only ourselves, but with the religious around us that as I was just talking uh, with someone about prayer, because she was complaining that she heard a sermon that taught prayer as a discipline, as something that we must do, and therefore we must do in sincerity, honesty, truthfully, genuinely, again, adverbs there. Uh-huh. Otherwise, how can you expect God to listen to your prayers? And how can you expect him to answer your prayers? And then all I said was, well, according to Jesus, it's passive, which is why we say, give us this day our daily bread. Yeah, or Luther's explanation, right? Right, 100%. God certainly gives daily bread to everyone, even without their prayers. Our prayers, prayers, exactly. Right, so you're not giving him or convincing him or changing his mind in your favor, although uh, the scripture does speak that way too. Sure. Uh, No, you're simply, well, you don't actually believe it. (laughs) So you're praying it uh, for faith. That's why you pray. You pray for what you don't have, such as true faith. (laughs) <laughs> right. True confidence. But it also goes to the point too, if you really want to have a, a good time reading stuff that maybe you feel like you're all too familiar with, read a gospel, Mark, John's the best. Read John. And every time someone rebels against Jesus because he renders them passive or speaks in a way that makes it seem like, oh, you need to be passive so that yeah. I can do this. Notice the reaction of the religious leaders, the disciples, the crowds, everybody. When Jesus does something that renders them passive, that is, he's running the verbs and they're yeah. the object of what he's doing. Notice the the conflict, the violence, mm. the debate that erupts when Jesus goes, hey, here's something. Have them all sit down and I'll feed them. We don't have any food. <laughs> yeah. And to Luther's point here, I'm thinking about, and John, the uh, the rich, rich young rich young man who, mm-hmm. you know, I think when when I've heard it preached or when I've preached it probably, um, you know, it's about giving away everything. Um, you know, right. it's a, you get to do something. That Jesus <laughs> is making this demand on you. And that's maybe not quite it, at least not in light of what Luther's saying here. Maybe it's actually that Jesus is putting him in a position where he has to, he's completely receiver. He has nothing of his own. Correct. He, he has nothing to claim as his own. <clears throat> uh, look at what I've accomplished. Look at what uh, I've amassed, you know, right. as far as wealth. Um, and, and on the basis of that, that should, you know, merit me something or it should, right. you know, I should have some favor as a result of that. And here Jesus says, no, I actually be in the position of having to live completely outside of oneself. Yes. Know, desiring, um, receiving, or, or taking from God, as, as to say, right. having, having to trust or rely upon him for everything rather right. than being confident in oneself. And I think... There's not a single movement in the history of the church, not a single heresy, not a single false teaching that at its base is not, we want to run the verbs and we want God to be the object that receives our action. Mm -hmm. Every false teaching, every heresy, every movement in the church that's 
designed or expressed in such a way to get us up and going. It's always, well, you need to be the agent here. You need to be the one who steers the ship. Right. You need to be um, just just like Adam and Eve, independent of God, live independent right. of God. You don't right. need him for everything. <laughs> right. Uh, you can, you can, you know, do your part. Right. He okay. empowers and enables you to do stuff. So go do stuff. Be mm. nice. Mm. Be kind. Love each other. I mean, be judgy if they're not Christians, but <laughs> if they are Christians, be twice as judgy, but <laughs> I'm kidding. So back to the commentary, give ear to my supplications because of thy faith. Well, there you go again, mm-hmm. because of your faith, not my faith, your faith. So Dr. Luther comments, not on account of the work I do, but on account of the faith that you give me. Mm-hmm. Again, it's, we're not even halfway through the first, the first verse. So if you really want to appreciate why Luther is excommunicated for what he teaches, this is a pretty good example, actually. Right, because actually, um, if everything is received from Christ, then this really challenges those who say, no, you have to come to us. Yes. For something. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Which was actually not Christ, right? I mean, the, yeah. the church was giving out um, false indulgence, as they have right, called it, right. you know, uh, where where they, they're putting their trust in their works, their merits, the prayers of the saints, something like that. Yeah. And uh, that counter countermanded or it undermined <laughs> right. the, the whole, well, really the economic scheme of the church. Well, that's what was asked in adult Bible study yesterday morning. We were on the petition in the Lord's Prayer and the Lord's Catechism, give us this day our daily bread. Mm-hmm. And as we were talking, reviewing through the first petitions, uh, um, a young man who grew up Roman Catholic and then converted and joined our church, he asked the question, well, when I was growing up, I went to Catholic school, Roman Catholic school and grew up going to mass. And we were always taught to pray to Mary and pray to the saints and do this yeah. and do this. And it seems that, well, at least according to the Lord's prayer, why do I need to pray to them if God's my father? <laughs> and I just went, ding. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, like, and and why do I need all of, you know, the really the man-made laws, instructions, right. traditions? Uh, you don't, you actually don't need them for salvation. <laughs> no, that's why Jesus says to the Samaritan woman at the well, the day is going to come pretty quick. Actually, it's already here when you don't need to go to the temple in Jerusalem to worship in the truth mm, and the spirit. No. Yeah, we heard anywhere. that on Sunday. It's, a, it's that offhand remark from uh, John where he says, oh, and the Passover is at hand. And you're like, right. wait a minute. You're up by the Sea of Tiberias yeah. uh, on a mountain, <laughs> yeah. uh, not in Jerusalem for the Passover? Right. What? And and all these people come out to you and you don't send them to Jerusalem for yeah. the Passover? I'm like, uh, yeah, there you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I am the Passover lamb. See? There you go. Mm. Answer me in thy righteousness. Dr. Luther writes, not on account of my righteousness, for that is sin and unrighteousness. It's like he's carpet bombing people here, theologically. (laughs) Every sentence is just boom, boom, boom. Dr. Luther continues, well, I want to read that again. Not on account of my righteousness, because that is sin and unrighteousness. Mm. Just let that marinate. (laughs) Yes. uh, What you define as righteousness is, according to God, sin Sin and unrighteousness. unrighteousness. He would say, Dr. Luther continues, give me faith and make me righteous by grace. For I see some who claim to be right and want to stand because of their own works and righteousness. Preserve me from this, 
They want to be something, whereas they are nothing. Vain fools, sinners. Here it should be noted that the little words, thy faith and thy righteousness, do not refer to the faith and the righteousness with which God believes and is righteous, as some have thought, Mm. but to the grace whereby God works faith in us and makes us righteous. Correct. Welcome to the Reformation. I mean, God is faithful and he is righteous. Yes. Right? But here in the psalm... It is proven by the fact that God's faithfulness produces faith and God's righteousness declares us righteous. Ah, I see. It yes. has to have an object. This is this is Dr. Luther's struggle oh, in the monastery. he's faithful to you. Yes. He's righteous towards to you. To you, exactly. That's Luther's yeah. breakthrough. That he discovers, oh, God doesn't just sit there waiting for me to be like him. <laughs> he's only righteous when he declares me righteous. Well, who is like him? Right. Yeah. Yeah. What, 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 what even God is like him, right? Yes. You know, the Psalm yes. Says. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Not counting iniquities. Right. Who is like him? Thus, yeah, Luther like continues, the Apostle Paul in Romans 1, 2, and 3 speaks of the righteousness and the faith of God given to us by the grace of Christ. God made him to become sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Yeah, made righteous. That's yeah. how we sometimes say that, right? Yeah. Um, not not do righteous. <laughs> no. But, but made righteous. Yeah. Hmm. A token or a painted gold in a golden coin that's painted up to look like a gold coin. So essentially what he's saying is you take a lead plug and paint it up to look like a gold coin <laughs> is not a real thing. It is only a representation. <laughs> These are like the little wooden coins they give to the kids. Like Yeah, wooden the, nickels, right? Yeah, exactly. There you go. So Luther is basically saying someone's going to give you a worthless coin, but they painted it up to look like a gold coin. He's like, that's not the real thing. It's only a representation. In fact, it is worthless and a fraud if it is given or considered as a real gold coin, while a genuine gold coin is such in truth and without deception. So the life, work, and righteousness of the conceited saints is in comparison with the righteousness and work of the grace of God, only a semblance Hmm. and a deadly harmful fraud if it is held to be the real thing. This is not truth, but the real truth is that of God, who gives the genuine and fundamental righteousness, namely faith in Christ. And I think the important thing there is it's not that um, the saints, whether conceited or not, um, do have no life, do no work, um, aren't righteous in, in an earthly sense. The problem is, the conceit is that they believe that that righteousness and that work um, is equal to the righteousness and work of God for Right, them. right. Or that it's even, <laughs> it can take the place. Well, and right? that's where we confuse Paul too, though, that we can say, well, God made us righteous, so now go be righteous. Go live up to that. God made you righteous, so now go be righteous. How did he make you righteous? Right. By In making him. you do, do things? Right. Or think things? Or say right. things? Or, yes, by declaring you righteous in Christ. Righteousness equels faith in Christ. Well, it's the same thing with faith, right? Faith has an object. So if Christ is faithful, he's faithful to us. We are faithful to Christ. Well, that's actually his faithfulness (laughs) (laughs) given to us. Right. uh, That that has its uh, natural fruit, I would say, right? Or its its work of Fruit of of the gospel. Well, and, you know, we say trust is a two-way street, I suppose. 
Our, right. our faith is a no, 100%. Uh, but in the in the case of uh, trust in Christ, mm-hmm. uh, he's not only the prime mover, but he's the sum and substance of the whole thing. Well, that's the entire history of Israel, is God proving himself faithful so that he can be trusted. And then Israel going, I mean, yeah, we trust you, but I mean, this God over here is so sexy. And these people over here, I mean, come on, you can't compete with this. They have statuary. <laughs> They're yeah. pri- they're priests. They 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 sacrifice people, <laughs> like they do crazy stuff over there. What do we got? Nothing. Well, and like we talked about uh, many episodes ago, you know, even taking something that God has given and turning it into an idol, like right. the uh, like the serpent on the pole. Yeah, you know, which is just this offhand remark. It's like, oh yeah, oh, and we they actually named it. <laughs> they gave yes, they, cre- I mean, they actually turned it into a false god. Right. <laughs> 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 it's like you, yeah. you couldn't you couldn't just receive it for what it was and then just right. abandon it no where's bob you know. bob you know the serpent what serpent <laughs> you know the brown serpent that saved our lives in the desert where's bob oh wait what did you, you thought that was a god well obviously <laughs> bring out bob bring out bob <laughs> i don't think that was his name i can't we want bob in hebrew it's bob it's transliteration <laughs> okay <laughs> it's Bob. Bob the serpent. Bobble. Bob L. <laughs> Back to, let's go to verse nine, jumping ahead now. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. Dr. Luther comments, the enemies, <laughs> the enemies are the wise and holy ones. May they not overwhelm me and draw me from thee to themselves. As in Psalm 19, verse 13. Quote, if the strangers do not have dominion over me, I shall be blameless. For, as Dr. Luther says, the enemies of the righteous are trying only to mislead them and clutch them to themselves into their way of life, which seems to them to be the only right one. Mm. Therefore, God's protection and help are necessary that they may stand firm in persecution. Thus, the Jews treated the apostles For with all their attacks, they had no other aim in mind than to establish their ways and customs according to the law and to draw the Christians to themselves by force. Right. So when we're reading the psalm, this psalm in particular, I mean, it sounds like uh, there's a us versus them kind of mentality. But the important thing that Luther points out here is that's not, that's not our doing. That's the, the, self-righteous doing yep. they're the ones who have set themselves apart right from uh the rest of mankind having been <laughs> right. uh, whatever more virtuous more uh, upright in their living well i think this is again an important point this whole matter of because luther comes back to it over and over again which is religious people who attempt to save themselves by their obedience to the law their behavior by following mm. you know following the rules obeying the rules in the end, because they cannot tear the gospel away from us, we cling to the gospel in Christ too much, in their opinion. Right. We preach too much gospel. We are focused too much on the fruits of the gospel. We are too much about the forgiveness of sins. Because the law can't actually save you, in the end, they must come by force to take away the gospel from us or to tear yeah, us away from the gospel. Yeah, it was given for trespasses or to, right. you know, to increase trespasses, actually, is what Paul says. The, the other aspect of this, I've heard it play out, um, as we learned in the in my instruction, uh, the law has three uses, right? Yeah. And, uh, or at least that's how it's explained to us. Maybe there's more uses, I don't know. I guess it depends on who you ask. But uh, 
you know, the second use, the, the accusatory use that the law always accuses, which is in our confessions as right. well, right? Not just in the small catechism. Right. Uh, I've heard it said by those who also accuse of, you know, preaching too much gospel that, well, actually, the law doesn't always accuse. Right. Like, really? <laughs> so there is a law that you can keep then, is what you're saying? Right. Uh, they, yeah, you just don't see the see that God, he gives the law to, to show um, the need for salvation because because their faith had waned. Actually, their trust in Him that they were starting to trust in themselves. Well, that's the scandal of well, one of the many scandals in Luther's debate with Erasmus around mm. the bondage of the will is Doctor Luther asked the question, "Why would God?" Because Erasmus raises this point, right? Why would God command something impossible and then judge us? for not doing it. That's completely unjust. And for Erasmus, that's pretty much God's defining characteristic. Righteousness equals justice and mm -hmm. vice versa. Righteousness doesn't equal faith in Christ. It equals justice in an earthly philosophical sense. Right. Dr. Luther says the very reason God commands the impossible is so that we are actually stopped, dead in our tracks, so that we cry out to God and beg him mm -hmm. for mercy. Yeah, every that, mouth is stopped. Right. The entire purpose of the commandments is actually to com to command the impossible mm -hmm. of us, because as Jesus himself says, what is impossible for man is possible for God. Right, and he is just, um, but the justice is meted out it's just, in mercy upon right, exactly. mercy for us, <laughs> but and um, really wrath against his son. And this uh. is unfortunately one of the failings of English is that in Hebrew there's two words for judgment. One is mm. condemnation, the other is justification. Mm -hmm. They never get translated that way though. And so you don't catch that nuance. So for example, in Jonah, he's told to go justify Nineveh. That's why he runs away. If God said, I want you to go condemn Nineveh so that they die, Jonah would have been, there would have been like, a little cool. dust, yeah. cartoon dust moat before God got done talking. You're like, done. Do I, do I get to do a thing like with a staff and I, right. like, they get wiped out? Right, or exactly. Like command a fire from heaven or something? Right. Well, that'd be awesome. Right. I mean, even, <laughs> even John and his brother, what are mm -hmm. they? Hey, remember that that village that wouldn't hear the gospel? Could you could you actually ask your father to have that village destroyed? <laughs> like, we need Sodom and Gomorrah. Come on! They literally asked Jesus after all that time they've been with him. They're like, "Hey, you got an in with the father? Do you think he could nuke that village for rejecting us? <laughs> turn him, turn him to glass pavement." Yeah, I mean, just have you ever just? Those are the statements in the gospels that prove to me the authenticity of the gospels. Oh, uh, yeah. Because anyone yeah, constructing a religion would never include those statements. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> those who would suggest that the uh, the Gospels are a fraud that have been uh, created by the apostles, or who we call the apostles, but right. you know, this ragtag bang, that one, it presumes, I think, a cleverness that isn't really evident no, not, no. in their own life. And then who would who would portray their own faithfulness in such a negative way? <laughs> right. You know, it's like... the. Uh, we, I think we talked about it on this show, but uh, I found out that the church histories here, when they were translated into English, uh, the translator just left out all the stuff that, you know, would be interesting, the solicitous yes. stuff. Yep. Same it, here. Just left it out. Same You're like, here. No, no, no. You need to leave that in because that, that's the very thing that the people need to know. Yes. Look, hey, we're not behaving so well right now. We're not the first ones. Right. It's been that way. Yeah. The no, whole time. I've got pages actually torn out of the original German council meeting notes. It'll go, it'll go, you know, month, then a couple months later, then a couple months later, and all of a sudden there's years missing. And you're like, wait, what happened? Oh, uh, yeah, we have that too. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a really long executive session. Exactly. <laughs> we, we don't want to talk about those three years. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's when the, yeah, that's when the secretary, 
Uh, forgot to take notes. Yes. That's what it was. <laughs> so I think that's a key point coming back around mm. that when we say deliver me from my enemies, one, as you noted at the beginning, we are praying against ourself, mm -hmm. against right. our own flesh, but also we're praying against religiosity in general, religious people who essentially are engaged in a self-salvation project. They are their own savior. They dress it up in the language. Trying to stand apart of yeah. the world, right? They dress it up in the language of the Bible. They dress it up in the language of the Lutheran church in our case, or whatever tradition you're a part of. But at the, if, you, if you just strip it all away, the pious talk and, and the smiles and the eagerness and the intensity of their piety, their devotion, their zeal for quote unquote God, you'll notice they don't really have a lot of use for Jesus at the end of the day. I mean, he's, he's a life coach. He's an example to, to follow of obedience and faithfulness. He gives you a leg up. You go to the Lord's table. He gives you some, you know, Jesus juice, go juice right. to get after it. But as far as Jesus and then nothing else after Jesus, they tend to add a but or a should or a <laughs> must. There's always something after Jesus. There's always something after the forgiveness of sins that you- Let us. Let yes. us. Right, yeah, let us sermons. The hortatory conjunction. Yes. It's either the lettuce sermons or the Justin sermons. I just, <laughs> I just, we just. But either way, it's, it. as I said, it's, we want to run the verbs of our salvation. We don't want to be the objects. We don't want to be passive. Because mm. we know what happens with passivity. I minister to people in hospice who are completely passive. Mm -hmm. Nothing, quote unquote, good on this side of the resurrection happens from passivity. It's called uh, the second, it's a temporary reversal of the second law of thermodynamics. Hmm. Everything in nature attempts to achieve the same thing. Thing. Same thing. Well, yeah, and you see that in hospice or a nursing home or, or you know, homebound, that, that folks are, um, they're really, hmm, they're really distraught by their lack of ability to do yes, something. Yes, 100%. Especially when they lose their ability to drive. Yeah, to go and, you know, take themselves to their appointments, mm -hmm. whatever it is. Um, and, you know, I think maybe in the right spirit, I've tried to suggest to them, well, pray, you know, pray yeah, for right. me, pray for the church, pray for those in need. Um, and that, that your prayers aren't worthless and, and mm -hmm. they can't take your prayers from you. Um, well, they can, I guess, unless if you lose your voice in your mind. Um, and, you, you know, that's but, the worst then. But right? according to Romans chapter eight, it's the Holy Spirit who prays for us. Mm, that's right. So you don't need your body, your mouth, or your mind to pray. Well, and that's why we're talking about righteousness and faith. And I think this is the challenge is that you can say that it's my righteousness, that it's Christ's righteousness that is mine. I sure. You could say it that way, right? Yeah. Or it's Christ's faithfulness that is mine. But the problem with even taking that bit of possession of, of the thing and not just Christ, he's my Jesus, is that I, I don't know you just slip into like well now it's my faith yes. and apart from jesus or it's my righteousness apart from jesus my prayer my yeah. worship yeah yeah exactly exactly whereas i would say um just say it's my, he's my jesus if you want to take yeah. possession of anything or anyone <laughs> right take possession of him and and then receive from him you know every good right thing. because again like that point and as i say it out loud as i said it yesterday morning it's super comforting i think to hear it's the Holy Spirit who prays for us because we don't know how to pray as we ought to mm -hmm. with, with what is it, yearning too deep for words. Yeah, groanings. It's groanings. Grumblings. <laughs> so <laughs> if you're completely passive, there is nothing more comforting to you than that statement because now you're even off the hook for prayer. However, depending on the demographic you're in, <laughs> and you still have a functioning mouth and, and, and strengthen your legs and a mind that functions hopefully most of the time, logically, that's, that can be a very insulting statement. Well, wait, what do you mean 
the I don't have to if I don't have a body or a mouth or a mind to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for me. Well, one, I'll go I'll even go one better. Jesus intercedes for us before the throne of God as our great high priest, according to Hebrews. Mm-hmm. So what's left for there for you to do? Are you that afraid of grace? That you don't want Jesus and the Holy Spirit to do everything for you? Mm. Are you that special that you want to be the fourth person of the quadrinity now? Well, and the thing is, there is Christian doing, I would say. <clears throat> sure, um, absolutely. There's the, there is the life of the Christian, which yeah. is, you know, uh, uh, which is a Sacri- Sabbath day. Sacrificing yeah. for your neighbor. Well, that's right. Um, but even that is is purely passive as well. 100%. You can go back to hospice. If you don't think people in hospice serve their neighbor, guess what? That nurse and that doctor have a vocation, mm-hmm. and you are giving them their vocation. The, the problem is that it's very hard to attach value to it, mm-hmm. uh, righteousness value, if you like, even yeah, eternal right. value. I mean, because you look at it, in the moment, it just seems like um, a, you know, a drag or a, or a grind. Yeah. And maybe, maybe, uh, this side of heaven, you get to see some benefit to all of that, uh, or maybe not, right? And, yeah. uh, you know, that's the parable about, you know, when did we see you? hungry, thirsty, in prison, whatever, right? <clears throat> that's not really a parable. It's actually just a statement. This is what it's yeah. going to be like. Uh, well, and eternity. that's another controversial statement of Luther is that in our earthly vocations, there's no differentiation between Christians and anybody else. Mm-mm. No. So therefore, no. and the danger, as you and I know too, especially in our church body, because coming out of the Prussian Union way back when and the intermingling of Calvinist and Lutheran theology going all the way back mm. even to the 1600s, we even want to make baptism or the Lord's Supper or preaching a visible sign that we're God's people. The proof mm. is I'm at the rail or the proof is I'm in this church or the proof is I espouse this doctrine from this book, which again, these are instruments, these are tools, these are resources, it, but they're not the they, thing. Yeah, they may indicate true faith. Right, <laughs> right. But the fact of the matter is I know the thoughts of your hearts. And I know when you're kneeling at that rail and I say, this is the body of Christ given into death for your sin. I know you're sinning against this right now. How do I know this? You're breathing. Hmm. You know why you breathe? Because if you don't, you die. Mm-hmm. And death is a consequence of sin. So if yeah. you're breathing, you're sinning. So as you receive the body of Christ, you're sinning against the body of Christ. That's the symbol. That's the Christian life. Uh, so this is the way that that kind of religiosity kind of plays out in our context. Yeah, right? 100%. Where... where it's uh, external righteousness, uh, mm. but even yeah. even in a very obviously godly kind of way. So mm. we're attending to churchy stuff, <laughs> right, <laughs> right? Right. And 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 it looks very good. But I, I mean, there again, we have Jesus talking about wheat and tares, which right. are uh, indecipherable, in inseparable uh, right. until the resurrection, you, you, till the harvest. Well, right? if you want to talk about religious hypocrisy, we'll mock evangelicals for this stuff about secular versus like you can only listen to Christian music and Christian movies and Christian this and Christian that. We'll mock that, but then mm-hmm. we'll do as you pointed out. We'll do the exact same thing. We'll just do it in a more conservative Lutheran ghetto, right. our corner of the lunchroom more, kind of way. Really, just more granular, a little a little less obvious. Yeah, right there. That's a better way to say it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like. Uh, Oh, right. That's how you end up with Lutheran micro-synods, right? Of like right, 100%. 15 and 20 churches, if even that, maybe just right. they just go solo because nobody is righteous enough for right. them. Right. Well, and that's the nature of tribalism, the we-they mentality we started talking about that you brought mm-hmm. up, is that instead of focusing on Christ and the gospel, the forgiveness of sins, and trusting that the fruit of the gospel is kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, goodness, all these things, and that God calls us into vocations, 
these are all gifts to us. And that, yeah, do I want to be a better husband to my wife because I'm a Christian? No. I want to be a better husband because I love my wife. Yeah. However, do I recognize my wife as a creature of God who, for whom Jesus died? Yep. Is she my right. baptized sister? Yes. Is Christ in her? So therefore, the works that I do for her, I do for Christ? Yes. Do I claim that as somehow now I get into heaven? No. Why? Because no. I'm a terrible husband. In fact, the more I focus on Christ in my wife, the more I realize how bad I am as a husband. <laughs> because now I'm not just serving Annie, I'm serving Jesus. And I'm not good at it. <laughs> it's only the righteousness of Christ. That is the forgiveness of your every thought, action, deed. Right. Every act of love for your neighbor the way. That, right. Yeah, forgiveness isn't a perfect verb. <laughs> We're all in trouble. Right. I mean, ev that every single um, thing has to be covered in the blood of Jesus yeah. for it to be righteous. Right. There, Otherwise, it's not redeemed from the curse of the law. And uh, ooh, we just don't like the idea that there's nothing, yeah, nothing that we can do. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the tribalism again, we, you know, when we're saying deliver us from our enemies, we're not, we're not. It's not an us versus them thing. It's actually deliver us from uh, their temptation, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and from their from their evil, um, you know, drawing us away from faith, right? So, so their wis, their so, yep. so called wisdom and holiness. Well, and in the Greek, even even evil in the Greek has that's actually a proper noun. Yeah, it's evil and one. I, I, we've been studying John in our Bible class, uh, and John does the same with the world. The world yeah, yeah. is it, it's it's personified. Yes, I mean, it's uh, you know it's a it's a creature or a he. It's like a beast, you know. Yeah. Um, and and it's personifying the way that sin is manifest right. in all people, right? No, that's so, a great point, actually, yeah. to flesh that out just a second, that because Dr. Luther does this in the Genesis lectures, that anything that is created by God, mm. by his word, is a creature of God. Mm. So the sun, the grass, you, mice, air, tachyon particles, those are all creatures of God. Yeah. So the world then, and Paul being a good theologian, John being a good theologian, understands the world is a creature of God. Therefore, mm -hmm. As the hymn says, as in Adam all mankind fell, all creation fell. Well, creation itself is turned against God. Yes, yes. And maybe that, oh, that actually kind of makes sense because you, kind of, it does make sense because Adam is given dominion over all creation. Right. And so then in Adam's rebellion, that which he's given dominion also rebels, is right. in rebellion now. Which hmm. explains so much about the way we treat the earth <laughs> and each other. Because <laughs> we're even in rebellion against that which we've given, yeah, been right. given. Uh, uh, chaotic mess. Right, yeah. If you're still with us to this point, it just gets worse now. Verse 12, mm, okay. in thy steadfast love, cut off my enemies. Literally destroy. So Dr. Luther says, that is on account of thy mercy and grace, so that it may be praised and acknowledged, Cut off my enemies, mm. anemones, enemies, simonimonin. <laughs> On account of your grace and your mercy, cut off my enemies so that you may be praised and acknowledged. That's a dichotomy. Yeah. If you are gracious and merciful, destroy my enemies. Well, and why? There is tribalism here. Let's not pretend like there's not. Like It's not as if the psalmist isn't living, one, in a time of tribalism, but two, as, yeah, he's definitely praying against enemies that are outside himself. Right, because faith is also outside. So, so Correct. there is a necessity um, that <laughs> that which would be outside and come to bear upon you would be ended, right. destroyed, abandoned, uh, right. whatever, chased away, right. uh, or this cut well, off. Well, and to be 
blunt and give a practical example, and I know this isn't a very popular opinion nowadays, but I'm going to say it. (laughs) I pray all the time that God would destroy evil. Mm Mm-hmm. Evil people in particular, not evil as an abstract idea or a theory or philosophical concept, but evil men, evil women, evil people. That is that people that will for my death in the name of their God and mm-hmm. just because of the dirt that I stand on. Right. And by the way, that because I'm a Christian, mm-hmm. I pray every day that God would destroy ISIS terrorists, Muslim extremist terrorists. However, having been an atheist before my conversion and knowing what could have happened to me had I overdosed on drugs or mm. succeeded in one of my suicide attempts after my conversion, recognizing that when I pray that God destroy Muslim extremists, I pray that he would destroy them in such a way that they would lose faith in Allah and they, mm. they would receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. They would die and then be raised from the dead. Mm. Because I don't As- want it. I don't want anyone to have to experience hell because just acknowledging to myself after my conversion, this is what would have happened to you had you not. Had God in his mercy and grace not done this for you, this is actually where you would have been. And you were actually trying to get there. That's how, again, when Jesus says they don't know their right hand from their left or Nineveh in in Mm -hmm. Jonah, that's literally what he's talking about. I'm trying to commit suicide. I'm trying to go to hell. And I don't even know that I'm trying to go to hell. So when you pray that your enemies are cut off and destroyed, yes, in the one sense, I'm saying stop them from storming the walls of the castle and burning the city to the ground and dragging the women and children off and murdering me. But I'm also saying convert their heart. Right. So they might yeah, recognize I, you as true God, the God of grace and mercy. That's the hmm, the way that we talk about uh, humility or being humbled. Uh, we don't think of it as a very violent kind of action. <laughs> but, it is. but the uh yeah that but hurts. it is i mean you talk about like tearing down mountains is one right. of the pictures it's like oh no that is pretty violent right? right uh destroying the proud right and if we took a step back and detached and recognized that god does that in our vocations mm-hmm. all of a sudden yeah. now it's not quite depending on your vocation it's not quite as horrifying of a thought to ground it in your practical reality but it still hurts just being a parent hurts right We had the conversation again yesterday in Bible study when I pointed out my one-year-old daughter, it lives in a constant state of prayer. She has to ask me for everything she needs for her body and life. She -hmm. can't do anything for herself. If I don't answer her, she dies. That is exactly the relationship Jesus sets up for us in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, we are his children. Faith like a child. Faith That's like a child, exactly. Is. And we often think of faith like an adolescent or faith like a teenager, which is oh, like gross and weird. Kind of faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Simple, childish versus my daughter, as I said, is to me is a perfect example of true prayer, which is she has to cry out to me for everything. And if I don't love her and I don't answer her, there are dire physical consequences for her. Well, it's not only that. I mean, she it isn't that she's an empty vessel, but she... But she is assimilating. She's she's mm-hmm. listening. She's she's paying attention to everything right. you say and do. But I've also proven to her that I am trustworthy because when mm. she prays, I answer. <laughs> right. <laughs> Here's a complete aside. This is a complete aside. So for those of you listening, this is 43 minutes in. You can pause for the next couple of minutes. But this is fascinating to me. Speaking of babies, I just listened to this lecture by uh, a clinical psychiatrist explaining alien abductions right? The whole phenomenon of alien objections and why they share so many things in common. Okay. Write it out. This is perfect. I love this. All right. As you pointed out, we are not born empty vessels. 
we are born with a mind. Our mind develops in utero. And mm-hmm. we know this because babies interact with their out uh, with the outside world while they're still yeah, in Yeah, they're pushing around. They're, yeah. yeah. When you talk, they move toward you. When you, with sounds make them jump and startle and everything else. So this clinical psychiatrist is pointing out every, all of these alien abduction stories have such common themes. Um, coming from a dark place into a very bright white place, people, you know, aliens with no mouths and big eyes on a hard, cold surface. <laughs> I see where this is going. Right? Keep going. And he points yeah. out, babies have memories. We know this now because we can actually measure this through advances in neuroscience. Uh-huh. So those memories are there, whether you can recall them or not. In the same way that I could not explain to you what happened on this day when I was 14 years old, but that memory is still there in my brain. It's still there. Everything right? that you and I have ever experienced is in our mind somewhere. It's just there and it's just information that we don't need so your brain's just like yeah we're just gonna put this in the vault everything from the conception forward from the moment your brain develops and you develop consciousness your memory right. you have a memory of that and we know this too from um, babies who are born to drug addicted mothers mm. and the trauma that they suffer they actually experience trauma in the womb because their brain yeah. is taking that trauma and the violence around them yeah. <clears throat> so this clinical psychiatrist is explaining all of these alien abductions have one thing in common they're describing birth <laughs> and the That's whole right, thing about being going, yeah. probed and everything when you're born they put you under that incubator and they jab you with needles and they roll you over and they do all kinds of physical checks on you right they're very invasive actually yeah and if you don't cry they slap you and they spank you it'll give you a little slap on the back of the bum so it's just kind of it's this primal memory yeah that's essentially that's what he's saying is that you you weren't abducted by aliens you're just in that state of deep deep sleep these hmm. you, the impressions are still there so even if you don't have the memory of it, the impressions are still there. The emotional impressions are still there. And your well, brain is trying to piece together what happened in, a, in, in your adult brain. Right. And this is what you come up with, aliens. And that, I mean, it is to say that children are impressionable, right? Right. And, uh, but also, I mean, think about the way like Paul talks about like fleeing evil. Why? Right. Because it will have its effect on you. Yes. All right. Yes. And, and it will stick with you. I mean, it's not like... Oh, I'll just try a little, little bit, and we'll just see what happens. Right, right. It's like no, you can't, you can't just try cocaine. It just doesn't work that way. <laughs> no, it's not a victimless. <laughs> it's not a yeah. It's not benign. It. I mean, it will be. You know, that metabolizes fast, but yeah, yeah. That that thing that whatever that experience was like, you won't forget it. Right, and maybe not consciously. You might not remember it consciously, but it'll be right. in the back of your mind. No, hundred percent. And, and so, you know, uh, how does the Bible call it? Oh, it's like a dog returning to its vomit. Yes. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It's like our pig pig back into the mire. Like, why? Right. What, are you an idiot? And they're like, mm, actually, yeah. <laughs> that's Well, that's why you hear people say, I couldn't help myself. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know how I got there. Of course you didn't. Because you you laid the foundation. You you opened the door. You basically, right. yeah, you, you, you're like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to put this over here on the corner of the desk and, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to open it. I'm just going to put it over there, you know, so, so I know where it's at. Right. And then all well, of a sudden. you've talked about this with like alcohol, right? I yeah. Mean, you don't, if you're going to be honest, you just don't say I'm, well, I'm cured. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not possible. No. This side of the resurrection. No, I mean, because you know it. Yes, there's physiological reasons for that, mm-hmm, right? Sure. And you have, and even neurological where you have like you know, certain pathways in your brain that have been now yeah, written like grooves yeah. in a record. Yeah. 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 I'd like to not, yeah, I'd like to not let those those pathways degenerate and disintegrate again. I kind of like them. Mm. But like Jocko says, every time you make that decision to discipline yourself and not take that bite of the donut, it makes you stronger, makes your mind stronger, makes you emotionally right. stronger. And every decision that you make to push that away, it makes you stronger. 
Well, and I think I think then what Luther's driving at here in his explanation of the psalm, David too, mm-hmm. is that uh, you know just cut off my enemies because um, their temptation is real. Right. I mean, one I, is too I, many, and a hundred's yeah. too uh, not enough. I I know I know this uh, predilection towards yeah. self righteousness. I mean, right. it's the natural, right. um, un, well, really unnatural, um, you know, sinful well, heart. This is what happens. And actually, since we're on it, going back to what I said earlier. What what do people in the fifth century BC do when someone comes to the gates? Well, you put the warriors out on the field of battle and you meet them. That's mm-hmm. what you do. Oh, I thought you walk out with like an envoy and just say, "Are you here in peace or in war?" Right? You just talk it out. <laughs> just talk it out. I'm, I'm reading the um, the Persian expedition by Xenophon right now. In almost every instance, because it's ten thousand Greeks trying to get from basically Iran back to Greece, from Persia back to Greece. Everyone wants to kill them the whole way, and they got to walk. What's fascinating about this account by Xenophon then is almost everyone that they make a truce with, you know, they, get, they come out of this area like, hey, there's 10,000 of you Greeks, you just want to get home, we just want to live in peace. We just want to live in peace, right? So let's make a treaty. Okay, great. As soon as they're beh- the, the, the village is yep. behind them, they come after them every single time. Because yeah. they're like, well, we can't face you head on because we realize that you're, you're seasoned soldiers. But as soon as you're in front of us and we can attack from behind, 100% we're going to take advantage of that. It's like almost every time. It's like all the male children were killed or all the firstborn yeah, or whatever right. by the angel of death. And then, oh, never mind, I'm coming back after you. And you're like, right. what, is, what right. is wrong with you, Pharaoh? Right, exactly. <laughs> Are you an idiot? <laughs> so uh, there's yes, that wrinkle too actually. that he is praying, cut off my enemies in a very militant, very, hey, let's, mm. con- let's confront this problem sense, but also consider the piety of the psalmist to not go out, but to rather say, Lord, this is on you. Yeah. You, you got to do this. This is on you. Because I know what I do given the option, which is I'd go out and fight. And I right. could then, and if I win, guess what? God was on my side. If I lose, mm, God was on their side. Mm. And we see this in Isaiah, right? And, mm. and in Jeremiah. When another army comes against Israel and the king being a kind of puppet dictator is like, nah, we're good. God's on our side. And the prophet's saying, no, actually God sent me to tell you he's not on your side. He's on Cyrus's side, for example. So you Mm -hmm. need to repent right now or we're all doomed. No, God's on our side. We're good. (laughs) And then 70 years later, they're returned from exile. Yeah, there aren't really sides. No, no, there's really not. There is uh, is God and there is us. (laughs) Right. So... Essentially, be really careful when you start choosing sides and claiming that you're on Jesus's side or God's side. As mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln famously said, it's, it, we shouldn't be asking the question of, you know, how does that go, you know, God's on our side or God's on their side. We should be asking, are we on his side? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, everyone's claiming that God's on their side, but we haven't really asked the question, is he actually for us? And it, maybe it seems a little, uh, you know, trite for uh, Lutherans to talk about our enemies as the, you know, those three uh, that we have in the small catechism, sin, death, and devil, but mm-hmm. actually that's helpful because yeah. it's not, it's not us versus them. It's, right. you know, our own, our own self, our sin, mm-hmm. um, you know, the temptations or lies of the devil uh, in this world, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and world personified there, meaning all mm-hmm. evil and wickedness that would seek to undermine faith in Christ. Right. Right, and that's who we're praying against here, uh, which may be manifest in very particular people, <laughs> right, at a given 100%. point in time, um, and and we we need to be cut off from that for the mm-hmm. sake of faith, or we need them cut off from us, I should right. say, for the sake of faith. Well, consider David and Saul, right? Mm-hmm. The opportunities right. David has to kill Saul and he doesn't, but then Absalom and his father, and yep. you see the opposite there. 
So back to the psalm mm-hmm. then, since we just talked about all that, destroy all my adversaries. <laughs> Dr. Luther comments, these are the same self-conceited people who seek to trap the souls of the righteous in their snare and error, as is written in Psalm 124, verse 7, the snare is broken and we have escaped. Hmm. I think another thing to consider, and I've read Luther scholars comment on this before, this isn't anything that I just dreamt up one night. Luther lives in Christendom. Everybody Luther knows is a Christian. Right. Therefore, when Luther thinks of enemies and looks around him, he only sees the Roman Catholics and the Schwermer. Mm, okay. He only sees other Christians. This psalm is written in the context of people who are not Israelites. <laughs> he didn't have uh, nuns, right? N-O-N-E-S. Yes, you know, right. These non-affiliated. That's right. Yeah, the nuns. I remember Non-religious that. people. Oh, that yeah. used to be so important. You go to convention, that's all you'd hear about is the nuns and the... Well, we commissioned some kind of survey or yeah. study. And, That's and right. I forgot about all that stuff. Yeah. And it, there's more in the U.S., apparently, according to the survey, survey says, yeah. uh, there are more nuns. <laughs> I just think people in habits, whatever. Right. Uh, there's more nuns than there are in this generation than there are baptized. Correct. Which is, which is pretty incredible. I mean, it means that we're in a very different context where you can't assume people have received baptism. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm going to bring... If anything, I would say that you and I, based on what you just said, we're probably we probably share more in common with the psalmist than Luther does, mm. because we're not we're not privileged to think of this only in a Christian or Christendom context, but rather, as you noted, we're surrounded by people who are either they worship other gods, mm-hmm. or are completely godless. Mm-hmm. And therefore, when we think of enemies, like I said, it could be a Muslim extremist terrorist. It could be a right. Christian fundamentalist who blows up an abortion clinic. It could be an atheist who comes to me for help and charity or just to talk about the gospel or, or what right. I believe. Like there's all these things coming at us. And it's not merely a matter of, are you Roman Catholic? Are you Calvinist? Are you Methodist? Are you non Like what, what stripe of Christian are you so I know how to talk to you? But right. rather... The people that come against, oh, in Luther's day, the thing we do share in common with him is that they wanted to kill him. <laughs> right. That's that's excommunication in those days. Get burned alive at the stake, ground up in a pig manure and thrown into a river. You know, yeah, that's what they did on Saturdays. Um, oh, but nonetheless, fun. the psalmist is, this is a very real enemy. It's a foreign mm-hmm. god, a foreign enemy. Mm-hmm. Same mm-hmm. thing that you and I, we face all the time. Whether it's the stranger, so to speak, that lives across the street from us who's not a Christian, or at the gym, or at the supermarket, or at the school, wherever it might be, we don't get to fall back on, well, you're just a different kind of Christian than I am. Ah, I see. Yeah. So this is not just the apathetic, or it's really the the antagonistic. It's not true Christians versus false Christians. And I think you and I know from Mm, especially social media when you get trapped in that Lutheran bubble or the Baptist bubble or the Roman Catholic bubble, and it's an echo chamber, you, again, you start cannibalizing each other or cannibalizing other Christians because you're still trying to uphold that Christendom model, mm-hmm. probably because our, so much of our theology was written under Christendom. Yeah. So we don't make that distinction or filter that out. Versus in the present tense, those who are looking on from the outside, one, could care less about your argument, and two, it actually turns them away from engaging in the conversation altogether. The snare is broken. We have escaped. So then the psalmist continues, I am thy servant, Dr. Luther. And this is really, this is it, man. This is the nuclear option. I live in grace, Luther writes. Therefore, my whole life serves thee, not myself. For I seek not myself, but thee and thine. 
Those who live in their own righteousness cannot do this. They serve themselves and look for their own welfare in all things. Now, someone might say to me, Can't you ever do anything but speak only about the righteousness and wisdom and strength of God rather than of man? Always expounding scripture from the standpoint of God's righteousness and grace. Always harping on the same string, singing the same old song. (laughs) To this I answer, let each one look to himself. As for me, I confess, whenever I found less in the scriptures than Christ, I was never satisfied. But whenever I found more than Christ, I never became poorer. Therefore, it seems to me to be true that God the Holy Spirit does not know and does not want to know anything besides Jesus Christ. As he says of him in John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14, quote, He will glorify me. He will not speak of himself, but he will take of mine and declare it to you. Wow. That's powerful. Right? So, I mean, t- really two opposing kind of, um, what do you want right. to say, two ditches that you could fall into. One, right. um, well, not ditches, we wouldn't say that. that. You know, two kind of perspectives, though. To say, one, um, if, if, I, if I'm not seeing Christ here, then I'm really missing something. Yes, right. <laughs> right? And, um, but if I'm seeing other things, other like universal truths yeah. that don't lead me to Christ or, or strengthen right. my faith in Christ, my trust in him, then that's... I've never been poor. Yeah, that's all. But that's, when I find Christ, I'm never poor. And him alone. And now we're getting into those, uh, yeah. you, you know, uh, universal part, particles, right? Yeah. Yep. Exclusive <laughs> uh, particles. Exclusive ones, right. Yeah. The um, that, that the All of Scripture testifies of Christ. Right. Um, every jot and tittle, right, of the law, yes. as Jesus says, is fulfilled in him. So, again, this is something, though, that we do share with, in common with Luther, going back to what mm. I was just saying. We still have folks who say, can't you ever do anything but talk about Jesus and what Jesus does and reading about I know, Jesus? I know, it makes me want to gag, but yes, right. I, <laughs> I do hear <laughs> Whenever I found less in the scriptures than Christ, I was never satisfied. And if you mm. thought that that paragraph was harsh, here comes the, here it comes. Here we <laughs> Christ go. Christ is God's grace, mercy, righteousness, truth, wisdom, power, comfort, and salvation given to us by God without any merit on our part. Christ, I say, not as some express it in blind words, quote unquote, casually, that he grants righteousness and remains absent himself, for that would be dead. Yes, it is not given at all, unless Christ himself is present. Just as the radiance of the sun and the heat of fire are not present if there is no sun and no fire. Hmm. Right? So he's talking <laughs> about, um, I mean, we see this with bat, play out with baptism, right? People say, well, you, yes, you are baptized, but, but, but that but, isn't... But, 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 but. Yes, but... <laughs> Um, that's only like <laughs> the spark that gets the fire going. Right. That's, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. But that it doesn't actually impart everything. Right. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's a long race. And baptism's right. just the starting blocks. You're baptized into Christ, but now you have to fill in all the empty spots. That's correct. Right. right. With maybe more Jesus, but maybe not. Right? Well, the, fir- <laughs> the first hundred yards is confirmation. The second hundred mm-hmm. yards is marriage and Bible study and so forth. And you come around that final curve. You've done uh, you've done most of the work to, up to this point, so now you look around and go, "I think I can cruise to the finish line. I think I'm good. I think I, I think I got this." Well, and that's exactly it. I mean, not just with baptism, but just I mean, even with the cross, right? Yeah. Jesus died for your sins. Now, what are you going to do about it? Right? 
Are, How are you going to respond? Don't you want to show him your thankfulness in a life it's, dedicated to his service? But what Luther's driving at here is, uh, no, actually, in whether in baptism or in the cross or whatever right. it is, he gives you everything. Yeah. Your entire life is service to Christ because you're baptized. Mm-hmm. As Dr. Luther says, everything done in faith is the worship of God. And he f- he fills it, right? I mean, yeah. he's the one who, who fulfills it, but, but right. actually fills, or as we said before, um, takes all of, all your actions are lived in his forgiveness. Right. right? And that's what, on that basis alone are they righteous. And we've talked about, I mentioned this before, when you pray for strength, just think, consider all that, that is that is involved with that. You're praying for the strength to believe, your strength, mm-hmm. you're praying for the strength to love those who you don't want to love, forgive those who you believe are unforgivable, to breathe, to think, to walk. Everything that you do requires strength. And all of that comes from God, who, by the way, is Jesus. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the other aspect here is, um, we're not talking about abstract ideas. No. In regards to God's grace, mercy, righteousness, yeah, truth, no, wisdom, power, is, comfort, or salvation. Right. I mean, you could abstract those into just ideas. Which would be the same as for Dr. Luther saying that I can feel the heat of the sun when there's no sun, and I can <laughs> feel the heat of the flame when there's no fire. To talk about grace, mercy, righteousness, truth, wisdom, power, comfort, and salvation apart from Jesus is the same as talking about the sun when there's no sun. Yeah. God is so majestic. Yes. Um, okay. How? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how? <laughs> and, or specifically, how for you, yeah. right? And, and not, what does Jesus mean to me? But right. <laughs> rather, what has, what has Jesus uh, given to you? Or what has he promised you? Yeah. Or how does he love you? That sort of thing. And maybe mm. this is a, the best place to wrap this up then is jumping a little bit forward now. Very small paragraph, but really this is Luther wrapping up what we've been talking about too. He writes, no saint has ever been so bold as to claim that his righteousness and wisdom meant nothing to him. They are steeped in strife and are always at war among themselves about these things. Hmm. That's the thing, Hmm. is that no saint has ever been so bold to claim that his righteousness and wisdom meant nothing to him. Why? Even though that is actually what faith would compel us to say. Exactly. (laughs) So long as we're in the flesh, we will claim that our righteousness and wisdom are not nothing. And yet, if it's not Christ, then they are nothing. Yeah. And that's the hard thing is to say that our righteousness, our faith is at odds with the faith of Christ and the righteousness of Christ. Well, as he said, right, what we call our righteousness is actually sin and unrighteousness. (laughs) What what we call our faith is actually sin and unbelief. Mm. Mm. Right. (laughs) So. So what's left? The, I'm your servant. The, right, do with the, me as you would do with me. I'd, right, exactly. <laughs> I, I got I'm, nothing here. <laughs> I must decrease so you may increase. Oh, that's good stuff. That is it really is. good stuff. I hope you. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed listening to that. It's it's rough. It's tough. It it hurts a little bit. <laughs> it hmm. pinches. It pinches. But nonetheless, it's sweet and beautiful and wonderful and powerful because it's all Christ. Yep. So that does it then for this podcast episode. Come back next week. We will dive into Psalm, eh, let's do Psalm 38 next week. Okay. Do Psalm 38. We haven't done that yet. Nope. So we'll dive into that. We should be able to wrap up the penitential Psalms before Easter then. Yeah. And uh, give us some feedback. Let us know what you think of these. Absolutely. we're liking it. Yeah, no, I I think I mentioned maybe in the first podcast, if if we just did a podcast where we just read these Psalms, I'd be happy. (laughs) I'd be good. I'd have a reason to get up in the morning. Yeah, he's right on. 
Right. We appreciate everything that you do to support this podcast and all of the work that we do at, at Higher Things. And go check out the website and all the content on the website. Go support. You can click on that little button if you want to throw some financial support at the organization because the gospel is free, but hmm. putting out these products is not. We have to pay our staff and so forth so they know they're appreciated and valued. Um, yeah, that's always important, right? Good for morale. Their work is actually uh, important for their yeah. neighbor. <laughs> we were paying them in biscuits and gravy, but... <laughs> at Salisbury Steak. That's right, Salisbury Steak and gravy. <laughs> but uh, as always, we truly love you, and uh, we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.